by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nicholas Mitchell, and I'm so thankful that you guys are here this morning on behalf of Pastor Guy and Passion Church. Welcome. Welcome, we're happy to have you here. Um, I learned an important lesson this morning watching that video. My friend Josiah puts all those videos together for us, and he told me a few months ago when we were filming something different, he said, Nick, you always act like the camera's rolling. He says, it doesn't matter if we're in between takes, you always act like the camera's rolling. And so he got me today, and Angie, so I'll tell you what that blooper was about later. <laughs> the time when I almost came to live with you. Um, so if this is your first time here this morning, again, welcome. And uh, it might be a little bit different today. You know, uh, you might be used to going into church and feeling uh, a, a good feeling, encouraging message about God and stuff. And today might be a little bit different. I'm going to be talking about a man, but I'm not going to be talking about Pastor Guy. I'm going to be talking about the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, and how he's changed our lives, and how he can change your lives, and how he's going to change this entire world when we start living for him. Let's pray, church. Jesus, I thank you for giving us pastors, for giving us people in this church that choose to live for you. I thank you, Lord, that you give us the strength and the endurance to finish this race. I pray right now, Father God, that anyone in here that may not know you will come to a relationship with you today and choose to live for you, God. I thank you for those of us in here that are already living for you, Lord, that we would just have a fresh fire this morning. And for the rest of our lives, we would continue to show out for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, it says, One day Jesus called together his twelve disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So I'm going to tell you what the whole sermon is today. I'm just going to tell you right now. Go out and tell people about Jesus. Go witness to people. Go spread God's love. You might have a lot of questions. Oh, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to say. We're going to get there. Don't worry. But go tell people about Jesus. I've had the opportunity here lately uh, to start traveling a little bit. Normally, I've, I've been in Mississippi the past seven years, eight years, and normally I just stay right here in DeSoto County, might go up to Memphis, might go over to Tate County. I don't go very far. But here recently I've had the opportunity to start traveling around a little bit. So I've been on a couple of airplanes. And it's great getting to be around strangers. Because I'm around you guys every day. But you, most of you guys, you already know Jesus. You're already living for Jesus. You're just like Pastor Guy and Angie over here giving everything that you got to God all day, every day. 
And it's the same thing at work. I witness to the people at my work, but it's the same people every day. So they already know, oh, oh, that's Nick. He always talks about Jesus. So it's nice to be around some strangers from time to time. So there's many instances we find ourselves in life where people are forced to be around us. Okay? Anytime you're giving somebody money, they are forced to stand in your face when you're at that cash register handing them a $20 bill to buy your groceries. If you're buying groceries for $20, come talk to me because I need to figure out where I'm wasting all my money at. (laughs) So I found myself in some of these instances as I'm taking Ubers and Lyfts to and from airports and sitting next to people on airplanes, and I'm getting involved in all these conversations, and people are held captive. I'm paying this man to drive me 30 minutes away from the airport. He has to listen to me. It's great. It's great. It's kind of like you guys. You're like, well... We can't get up and leave now. Everybody's going to see us, so we're kind of stuck here, babe. I'm sorry. I mean, I won't make you come back next week, but we're here now. So I've been in some interesting situations. So doing this traveling, it means I still have to keep up with everything I do at home when I'm gone. So as I'm in the airport, uh, I still have college classes. So I'm in Zoom calls as I'm loading an airplane one day. You know, you go in the tunnel of the airplane, and everyone's in line. You scanned your boarding pass. You're waiting to get your seat on the plane. And I'm on a Zoom call. My professor knows what I'm doing. He knows I'm in the airport. But for whatever reason, he's like, well, let me just go ahead and get Nick's opinion on this first before we don't want to make him miss his flight. So let's get his opinion on it. I got a bag in one hand. I got another one over the shoulder. I'm holding the phone, talking on Zoom. And... uh they're asking me to talk about what we're doing in this course, talk about a ministry in a postmodern context, which is basically just how to minister to people who no longer believe in the absolute truth, how to minister to people that don't believe there's this meta-narrative being that God created the world, we're here now, and that there's going to be an ending when Jesus comes back the second time. How do we relate to people who are like, oh, well, your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. That's what this class is all about. So he's having me talk about this stuff, on the Zoom call, and I'm crammed in this tunnel with a hundred of my new closest friends. So, he, so he's got me on there. I'm talking and everything, and we're loading the plane. I, I get my bags up in the cubby hole, put a bag under the seat, sit down in the plane. He still ha- he's asking me another question. Now, they know what I'm doing. Keep in mind, they hear babies crying in the background. Two planes in a row had babies crying. Um, so so they, they know all this stuff is taking place. Well, then... Uh, this family of four boards the plane. And the row I'm in with six seats, it's me on one side with two empty seats, another single guy on the other side with two empty seats, and this family of four is coming straight down the aisle. I'm like, oh, man, they're coming straight for me. I'm still on the Zoom call talking about Jesus. Uh, the plane is actually scheduled to take off the runway at the time that my class ends. So I knew it was mapped out. I tried to do the math, figure out what time zone I'd be in, and figure out that I'd be able to do the class. So this man and his son sit on the seat across the aisle from me. And then his wife and daughter, they're supposed to be next to me. So I got to get up, let them get in, get back in. So keep in mind, I'm having to stand up. I'm having to do all these things, move around. I'm still on my Zoom call. As I'm still on the Zoom call, the man starts yelling at me. He goes, sir, sir, you need to put your seatbelt on. We're still, we're still on, the, on the runway. I don't know if y'all know about airplanes. It's not about hopping in your Toyota, crank it up, put your seatbelt on, and roll. Like, it takes a while. You might be sitting there for 30 minutes, 
for an hour. He's ha- he sees I have headphones in my ear. I just got up and let his wife and daughter in to sit next to me. And he, he's like, sir, you need to put on your seatbelt. And I'm like nodding my head at him. I'm like, yeah. And like, I keep doing my Zoom call. I'm like, yeah, I know. I, I know. Like those, those stewardess, man, they walk up and down the aisle like five times checking everybody. Is your chair in the upright position? Is your tray up? Is your seatbelt on? Like they constantly check this stuff and they haven't even done it one time. So I know I got a good 15, 20 minutes. He's like, sir, sir, you don't understand. You need to put your seatbelt on. Guys, I'm not making this up. This is a mostly true story, okay? This is real. The man, I'm not making this up. The man presses the flight attendant button. He presses the button. I see him do that. I'm like, well, I guess I got to do it now. So I put my seatbelt on. He really pressed the button on me. The stewardess comes up and looks at, are you okay, sir? And he goes, yeah, everything's fine, because I already put my seatbelt on. And the stewardess walks away. So now I'm like, I still don't say nothing to the man, because I'm finishing my class. I'm trying to do my duty and my job and do what I'm supposed to do. So I'm like, it's a long plane ride. I'll get to talk to this guy eventually. Uh, Finish the the class, hang up, put my phone on airplane mode. My seatbelt is on. And uh, we take off. And we go. And uh, I'm going to take a page out of Pastor Guy's book and go to Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62. All right. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head What does this passage mean? We're going to have to give up certain creature comforts. If you're going to follow Jesus, it's not going to be comfortable. You don't get to follow Jesus and stay in your own routine. You don't get to follow Jesus and stay in what you think is the normal or what you think you should have because you're a hardworking person here in Mississippi. No. We're going to have to sacrifice some stuff. So remember, this first person volunteered. The next person Jesus went to, Jesus said to another person in 59, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. I look around, I see a lot of people in here, I have to assume that we've all lost people in our lives. That's a hard, hard time, right? And Jesus' response to this man isn't, oh, I'm praying for you, I understand, you know, I'm I'm praying for your family. No, that's not Jesus' response. Now, of course, Jesus has love and compassion, and you know, he, he takes care of us through those hard times, absolutely. But Jesus' response is, your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. We're going to have to make some sacrifices. We're going to have to give up good things that any, any man of God would go be there for his family in a funeral, right? Yeah, absolutely. Those are good things. But Jesus says your duty is to preach the word of God. Don't misunderstand me. We're not supposed to just abandon our family. But Jesus also says that in comparison to loving me, you should hate everybody else. That's how much we should love Jesus. 
See, it's easy for us to walk around and say, oh, all I need is Jesus. We're singing the worship songs. All I need is you, God. But then we're like, well, well, all I need is you and some money. All I need is Jesus and a better job, and then I'll be happy. All I need is Jesus and love from a man or love from a woman. All I need is Jesus and, and my physical health. There should be no secondary. All we need is Jesus. So don't add on those secondaries. All you need is Jesus. Then a third man, another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Are you fit for the kingdom of God? Yeah, we've all made mistakes. We've all backslid. We've all stopped doing what we knew we were supposed to do. But today we get to make a decision. Do I only want Jesus? Or do I want Jesus and that other thing? Is Jesus first or is Jesus and fill in the blank first? He's got to be number one. He's got to be. In Luke 10, 1 through 4, it says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Well, that's what we're doing here today. We're thankful that we have amazing, amazing pastor guy and Angie. We're thankful for them. But we need more workers to go out into the fields. There's a lot of people out there that have not heard the good news of Jesus. And it's not pastor guy's job to go tell them. It's his job to equip you to go tell them. And that's what we're doing here today. Today I'm sending you out. I told you at the beginning, I told you what the message is all about. Go tell people about Jesus. There's people in your lives that I'll never get to talk to. That man that I'm about to tell you that I got to talk to on the airplane, none of y'all are ever going to see him. You're never going to get to talk to that guy. That person that you work with, that family member that you know isn't saved, that friend that you have, they're going to spend an eternity apart from God, and you're too nervous to tell them the truth. To not offend them and not hurt their feelings, they're going to die and be apart from God forever. You can change that. You can change that. You can go out. And make a real difference in people's lives. We need more workers. Now look, you don't have to be a pastor to do this. Okay? Most of my life, all these things and stories that I can share with you, I just became a pastor. Okay? All the things that I can share with you today happened way before I was ever a pastor. I had a job working at Rite Aid right here in Horn Lake before they shut down. And... I would pray for people all day. I'd witness to people all day in this Rite Aid. And uh, one day, my, my district manager, he came in, and we had, like, these three big executive corporate guys there. And um, have you ever had somebody introduce somebody to you, and you knew they were doing it just to, like, get them off your back? It's like, hey, hey, meet Pastor Guy. All right, I'll be over here, right? Like, they just introduce you to him, and you know they're trying to walk away. That's what happens. So I'm there. I'm stocking shelves. I'm doing what I'm supposed to. Got my canned goods over there. And, uh, and, and my boss, he walks up. And he's like, you know, meet this guy from corporate. I'm like, hey, how you doing? 
and we start talking, and uh, I start talking to him about Jesus, because that's what I do. That's what we should all be doing, is talking about Jesus, right? And um, so I'm talking to this guy about Jesus, and he's like, yeah, yeah, that's good. He's like, my son's a missionary and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. And uh, he's like, but you know, you can't be talking to the customers like that. I'm like, uh, no, sir, Jesus said to, to spread his love all the time. Like, Jesus said tell everybody about him. And, and so the guy, like, told me not to one more time and, and brushed it off and, and, like, you know, it's nice meeting you and walked off. I could have got fired, you know. But are you going to do what pleases a man or are you going to do what pleases God? The next day I'm at work and my boss is standing right next to me and uh, this man comes in and I start talking to him. And we start talking about God. And I asked him if he knows what's going to happen to him when he dies. He says, yeah, he says, I'm, I'm going to inherit the earth. The, uh, the, the belief system that he had believes that there's only an elect few that are going to make it to heaven. And he said, I'm, I'm going to stay on the earth. And then out of nowhere, I didn't know that I was going to say this verse. I didn't have this verse memorized. I jumped to John 14 just in my brain. I don't have a Bible in front of me. And, and I say, you know, Jesus told the disciples that he's going to prepare a place for them. Why would he say that if he wasn't going to do it? And I share this with my man and my managers. I share this with a customer. My manager standing right next to me watching the whole thing. You know, I bless the guy, and, and he has he walks off. I tell him to have a great day in front of my manager. Now, my manager was a man of God, okay? A lot of you guys also have managers that say they're a man of God, but you're still not comfortable witnessing in front of them. So if you're not comfortable witnessing in front of someone who says they're a man of God, who are you comfortable witnessing in front of? If you've prayed and you say, God, give me a work environment that honors you, gives me a work environment where I don't have to deal with this stuff that I've had to deal with in the past, and God placed you there, you're still not using it. You have to use it. You have to make a decision to spread his word. Now, look, I don't want to make it sound like I'm coming down hard on you guys, because just this week, I know two people in this room Moses and Terry that led people to Christ this week. So I know you, yeah, praise God. So I know you guys are already doing this. I know you guys are already walking around telling people about Jesus. And that's so awesome. When Terry called me up, I'm like, well, tell me what you said. Like, I want, what'd you say? And, and, he, and he had everything down. Like our need for a savior. The fact that we are fallen, that we need help. That Jesus is God and what Jesus did for us on the cross and to ask him to be in control of our life. Like Terry perfectly articulated that to me. You guys can do it, too. You can do it, too. I'm about to tell you how, but you got to be patient. Calm down. (laughs) It says in 10 verse 3, now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Why is Jesus telling them not to take all this stuff with them? Well, when you go back to the beginning of chapter 9 where we first started in the text, it says that he was sending them out with power and authority. So the reason when we get to the beginning of chapter 10 why it says don't bring this stuff is because we're not supposed to rely on our own things. We're not supposed to rely on our own devices. We're supposed to rely on God's power and authority. So how do you walk out and tell someone about Jesus? The power of God. It's not your power. I can't stand up here. I got no business saying a single word to you guys this morning. God is the one that has to talk to you this morning. 
I don't matter. There's, uh, there's these really tiny things in the cells of your body called enzymes. And enzymes are a type of protein that catalyze metabolic processes. What does this mean? It's not, it's not Monday. Don't worry. I'm not going to go into a whole biology lesson on this until tomorrow. What this means is a, a catalyst is something that speeds up a reaction. So there's all these chemical reactions that take place in your body that, that build up things in your body, that break things down in your body. And most of them, the majority of metabolic reactions inside of you would not take place without enzymes speeding up the process. There's something called an activation energy. So that chemical process will not be activated until it reaches a certain energy threshold. And the enzyme is the catalyst that speeds this up and gets those processes to begin to happen. We are called as Christians to be the catalyst to save people's lives. You are the one that can speed up someone else's relationship with God. You are the one that can speed up this reaction of them accepting and receiving Christ and living for Christ. We are called to be a catalyst because without you, they're never going to get there. You'd be like, oh, but God is all powerful. Yes, but God chose to choose men, chose to use men to spread his message. Yeah, God could divinely speak to us, and yeah, he does it. But he chose to send us out. We just saw in 9-1 that Jesus sent out his 12 disciples. We just saw in 10-1 that Jesus sent out 72 other disciples. So Jesus sends us out to spread his message. And you get to make a decision today to be a part of that. So I was wondering, I'm like, why don't people witness? Why don't people walk around and tell people about Jesus? What are some of the reasons? Well, the sermon was this morning, so I didn't have a time for a very extensive survey, but I did take a survey. Uh, the sample group was one man, and uh, it was myself. And it was the, the three reasons that I thought, me personally, why I don't want to witness to people. And I'm like, man, if, if I don't want to do it, this is probably the same reasons you guys have. And so we'll find out if we're the same. You're probably more spiritual than me, and you're like, oh, no, I'm not worried about rejection or fear or what to say or any of that. You guys probably got all this nailed. So uh, it's just for my own good, since I'm the only one that took the survey. Uh, it says in Luke 10, verse 16, Then he said to the disciples, I got to sit down for this one. Anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. So some of us were like, man, I don't want to go tell someone about God. They're going to reject me. I'm afraid of being rejected. It's going to be awkward. I don't want to tell them. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. That's what it says right here. Jesus said they're rejecting me. They're not rejecting you. Even if they do reject you, Man, as humans, we get rejected all the time. 
You got rejected when you asked that girl out in the sixth grade. She was rejecting you, my friend. She wasn't rejecting God. She knew that God didn't have you in store for her. When you walk up to someone, it's true. Unless you're married to the woman that you asked out in the sixth grade, what I said was just true. Anyone who rejects you is rejecting me, and if they reject me, they're rejecting God who sent me. So don't worry about it. You're going to get rejected off your own accord going to ask some girl out anyways. Hopefully, if you're married, you're not going to do that. But uh, you're going to get rejected in life. You're going to get rejected going to to seek a a new job, and they're not going to hire you. You're going to get rejected. You're going to ask your friend to come hang out, and they're not going to show up. They're not going to want to hang out with you. You're going to get rejected. So why would you? And and that's you. That's the personal time. Why would you be worried about getting rejected for Christ? They're not even rejecting you. Jesus commanded us to do it. So another another big one, another reason why I, I know it doesn't stop you guys, um, because I would have much different results if I could have surveyed the whole congregation. But another reason why I don't want to witness is fear. Luke chapter 12, verse 4 and 5 says, Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. The worst case, I just, let's just get this out of the way. Worst case scenario, you leave here today, you go witness to somebody, tell them about God's love. What's the worst thing they can do to you? They can kill you, okay, right? So from there, we're just moving up from there, right? It, it, it doesn't get any worse than that. That's the worst thing somebody can do to you is kill you. So we, we got freedom here. We, we got religious freedoms. I'm pretty sure that if I go tell someone that Jesus loves them, I'm not going to get murdered. Um, I've done it a lot, and they haven't killed me yet. So I think we're pretty safe on that one. That's the worst-case scenario. So, so we shouldn't be afraid of getting murdered, right? Um, so from there, we, we just move up, and there's a lot less worse things that might happen if we witness to somebody. It says in verse 5, But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yeah, he's the one to fear. So, I mean, does anyone really realistically think that they go witness to somebody at Walmart when they leave here, they're going to get murdered? So, but Jesus sort of commanded us to do it. If we don't do it, he says he's got the power to kill us and throw us into hell. Hmm. Okay. Now, now you guys know that God loves you, right? You know that he loves you. That's why this verse is in the Bible. That's why he's the one that's got the power to do it, because he don't want to do it. He loves you and forgives you, and he wants the best life for you. You know, somebody else had the power to kill you and throw you to hell. I'd really be worried, but, but God has that power, because he wants to nurture you and help you with your growth. He's not just going to give you one chance to be like, nope, he screwed up. Go on, throw him out. God loves us. He's not like that. So he wants to see you grow. He wants the best for you. He doesn't want to kill you. He doesn't want to see you spend eternity in hell. God is never tempted to do evil, and he never does evil. But he wants us to join him in doing good. So, so I know that you're, probably, you're better than me, and, and you're like, no, I'm, I'm not worried about being rejected. 
I'm not afraid of anything. I'm a man. I got this. You know, I'm a woman of God. I don't have to worry about anything. Um, but maybe you're like, I'm not afraid and I'm not worried about getting rejected. I just don't know what to say. Well, that's all right. I got a paper for you right here. It tells you exactly what to say. So we just go on and check that one off. You're not worried about being rejected. You're not afraid. And now you know what to say. We got those sitting. Everybody look in the back corner. Thomas, give us a good wave. Thomas got some papers back there for you uh, called Salvation Cliff Notes. All right? So you guys can go grab those at the end of the service. Salvation Cliff Notes. I'm going to read a couple of it to you right now. Um, The first one just says, God loves you. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that anyone who believes in him won't die but will live with him forever. Next point says, you ain't so lovable. Romans 3.23, for everyone's sin, we've all messed up. We all fall short of God's standards. We're not good enough on our own. But God gave us an offer in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So even though we messed up, God chooses to love us and give us life anyways. And then God has a promise for us in Romans 10 that if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Then it says what to pray, and it has a sinner's prayer right there, just asking God to come into your life. And then how do you know um, that you actually are saved? And it says in 1 John 5, 13, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Anybody ever had someone say, oh, well, I just can't know. There's no way you can know that. Anybody? Uh, that happens to me all the time. I ask, I'm like, what would happen to you if you died right now? They're like, I just don't know. They're like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Share this verse with them. They can know. They can rest assured that God has a plan for them and that God wants them to spend an eternity in his presence. We shouldn't be guessing like, hey, man, is, if I go out, and witness to somebody after church, and they kill me, I don't know what's going to happen to me. We shouldn't have to live like that. We should know that we're going to heaven. You should have a confident assurance. It's not because of how good you are. It's not because of anything you've done. It's not because you were out there witnessing to people when you got killed. It's because of what God done for you, because of what Jesus did for you. So you can know. So now, this is, this is what you say. This is what you say. So go tell somebody. It says in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 10 through 11. Then he added, Son of man, let all my words sink deep into your own heart first. Listen to them carefully for yourself. Then go to your people in exile and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Do this whether they listen to you or not. So, if you're in here today and you've been following Jesus for a year or or two years or maybe 10 years, I know no one's really been following Jesus any longer than 10 years in that because we're such a young congregation. Um, So, that was a joke. You're not old. So, you haven't been around long enough to have been following Jesus longer than 10 years. That's okay. Um, first thing that we got to do is we got to have God's word in our own heart. And if you have been following Jesus for at least a year, you've read the Bible once or twice that year, right? And you've heard Pastor Guy speak once or twice this year, right? So you know what to say. 
And even if you don't, I got the paper for you. All right? But you got to have God's power in you. Because, see, when some of these disciples came back to Jesus, they're like, Jesus, uh, we was praying, but that demon didn't come out. And Jesus said, some only come out through prayer and fasting. So you got to have the power of the Holy Ghost inside of you. It's Jesus that is the one that's going to get someone to accept Christ into their life. Jesus is the one that's going to cast out a demon. Jesus is the one that's going to heal people. But he's going to use you to do it. And he wants to use you to spread that message too. But if you don't open your mouth, you're never going to spread that message. If I didn't wake up out of bed this morning and come here, I never would have spread this message. If you don't go be around somebody that needs to hear about God, you're never going to tell anybody about God. you got to make the decision to open your mouth. And then it says at the end of 11, so first, like, you got to let it sink into your heart, right? you got to let it change yourself. Then in 11, it says at the end, do this whether they listen to you or not. So that should just get rid of the fear of rejection right there in Ezekiel 3.11. Do this whether they listen to you or not. We're doing what God told us to do. It doesn't matter if your boss tells you not to. It doesn't matter if you in your brain tell yourself not to. It doesn't matter if you're around your friend. We read that, right? The guy told Jesus, he's like, well, I, I got to go back to, to my family first. Or, you know, I'm, I'm busy with my family and what I got going on. No. It doesn't matter who you're with. Your friends should be getting mad at you because you'll be in the middle of a conversation with them and you walk off and get somebody saved and then come back. Your friends should be getting irritated at you how much you walk around witnessing to people. But why do we witness to people? It says in Luke eleven twenty three. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. God, I pray that's not me. I, I pray I'm not the one who's not working with you. Because I got saved and, you know, I tried to stop doing some of the things that I used to do and you know, but I'm not on fire like Joe, and I don't have musical talent like Chad, and so I just kind of come to church. But, you know, I'm not doing that other stuff anymore. I pray that's not me. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. There's only two trajectories in this life. You're going forward or you're moving backwards. You can't stay still. It's not going to happen. You're either growing in your wisdom and your understanding of the Lord or you're not growing at all and you're forgetting and you're losing it and you're not applying it. There's no standing still. You're either working with God or you're working against Him. Because by you choosing to do nothing... You're not doing what he told you to do. And he trusts you. He puts you here in your situation, in your context, to love on the people around you. I don't know your friends. I can't tell them about Jesus. You have to do it. I can't. If you're not working with God, you're working against him. 
And there's people in your life right now that are crying out, that need him, that need your help. Anybody in here in the past month, has someone come up to you out of the blue, somebody you didn't know, and try to get you saved? Has anybody in the past month, has a random stranger walked up to you and witnessed to you and tell you about God's love? About the past six months, past six months, has anybody come up to you and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus? About this year? Raise your hand. Anybody, has someone come up to you and witnessed to you this year? One, two, three, four. Four people, five people said that someone has come up to them and witnessed to them this year. We got about 50 people in here right now in person. And only five people this year have been witnessed to. So that's better than my original survey. That was only one person. Now, my my next survey is 50 times better, um, which is 10%, roughly 10% of the people sitting in this room right now. Someone has witnessed to them this year. So my question to you is, where's the evangelists? Where are the Christians? Where are the people that are walking around spreading Jesus' love? Because we're all in here on a Sunday morning talking about, man, I love Jesus. I want to I give everything I got to him. Oh, but I want to go tell somebody about him. Only five of us have had someone witness to us this year. Do you guys not see that as a problem? When we are the tools, the vessels that God chose to use to spread his message? And don't tell me that they ain't witnessing to you because you just, man, it just exudes Jesus Christ so much. And, you're just, and your light's just shining so bright that no one ever thinks to come up and witness to you. I've been witnessed to twice this year. One, they handed a tract to me as I was walking out of an event. They didn't even talk to me. They just handed me a tract, which is good. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. They were planting a seed. There's no way they could have talked to everybody that walked out of the door at the same time. Um, and the other time, they weren't even Christians. It was somebody spreading a false message about a fake God. And they came to my door, and I talked with them for about an hour. They sat in my living room, and we read the Bible together. And uh, they didn't receive the truth, and I didn't receive the lie. So five of us have been witness to this year. How many churches are in DeSoto County? How many Christians are in DeSoto County? We, we see here, we just read, we only looked at three, four chapters in Luke. It's our job to go tell people about Jesus. Who's doing their job? Who's doing what they're supposed to do? So we take off in the air. I told you, I'm just going to steal this from Pastor Guy. He didn't get to do it this week, so I get to do it. (laughs) It might be. I didn't get to see that picture of him. Um, So we're in the air. And I'm, uh, I'm tired. I'm watching something on my iPad. I'm reading and studying and doing stuff. And I'm like, you know, the human side of me, you know, I, got, I told you all, I'm the only one that took that survey. So I, there, I don't witness to people because of rejection and fear and not knowing what to say. So the human side of me is like, man, I could really get back at this guy right now. Who I could really mess with him. He's here with his family, and he just did that to me. That was disrespectful. He interrupted my meeting. He's yelling at me. He's doing this in front of everybody. I'm like, mm, I could really. But it was a long flight, so it was good. I had time before I said something. I got to pray. I got to get over myself. And um, 
I'm just, I'm like, God just opened a door somehow. Like, he's, he's obviously, you know, he's irritated, he's angry, he's got stuff going on. Just show me how to spread your message to him. Show me. Because he's, he's a captivated audience. He's there. I mean, his little son's in between us, but if I start talking to him, he's going to have to listen. So uh, I wait and I wait and I wait. And finally, uh, his son drops something in the aisle. This is how stubborn I am. I don't even pick it up. I'm just like, God, show me something to do to talk to this guy. Like, and it's just laying there in the aisle, and I'm like, hmm. All right, so I, so I pick up the kid's toy. And I'm like, hey, is this yours? And it's a little kid, so he don't. So the dad's like, yeah, yeah, thank you. And I take my headphones out, and I say, I say hey, uh, I'm sorry about earlier. I didn't, I didn't mean to be rude, but I was on a phone call. He said, no, no, it's okay. You know, he's like, I was just trying to keep my family safe because if your seatbelt wasn't on and we hit some turbulence and something happened, you know, you could have knocked in and you're sitting right next to my son and daughter and you're tall, so your legs and arm could have hit him at the same time and could have just injured my kids. And so I said, and, and again, I'm having to check myself at the door because I don't matter. We're here for one reason and one reason only, and that's to worship God. And how we worship God is by telling other people about his love. So I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I respect you. This, this is the exact words I say. I respect you for wanting to keep your family safe. And then I say, but do you know how to really keep them safe? He goes, how? And I say, through Jesus. He's like, oh, yeah, of course, of course. And I say, okay, good. I'm just making sure. And that was, he didn't want to talk to me. That was the end of it. I didn't get into some deep spiritual thing. I didn't really make sure he was okay. Um, but the man was yelling at me. You need to put on your seatbelt. This man in an airplane of 300 people can yell at me when I'm busy. I'm on the phone. I don't want to talk to anybody. And he can yell at me, put on your seatbelt over everybody. Make a fool out of himself. Press the flight attendant button. How should we be witnessing to people? If he's yelling at me for what he thinks is going to keep me safe, for what he thinks is going to keep his family safe, to have my seatbelt on, I know that Jesus is what's really going to take care of him. I know that Jesus is what's really going to keep him safe. So why shouldn't we be interrupting people's lives? Why shouldn't we be yelling out in front of a whole crowd when people are busy and telling them, God loves you. He wants you. You're going to die. Put your seatbelt on. Now, we got to have some tact when we do it. I'm not saying to just yell over people when they're on phone calls like this guy. But if God tells you to talk to that man talking on the phone, you better go walk up to him and say, excuse me, sir. You ain't got to yell at his face. But if he's willing in front of a bunch of strangers to yell at me for something that I'm doing that he thinks is going to help keep his family and help keep me safe, why shouldn't I be willing to yell in front of any stranger in any crowd at any point, no matter whom I'm around, and tell them, how they can really be safe, how they can really be secure in a relationship with Jesus. We got the truth. People are getting all loud about everything, all their opinions and what they think is going to keep you safe, what they think is going to keep them safe. We know the truth. We know that Jesus is the one that keeps us safe. We know that Jesus is the one that protects us. Jesus is the one that heals us. So if we can walk around and tell any stranger our political views and what we think they should be doing, why shouldn't we walk around telling them the 100% God-proven truth, that Jesus is God and that he came to this earth to save you? 
We can be all loud about everything else. Oh, this over here will save you. If you take this, it'll save you. If you use this, it'll save you. If you keep this, it'll keep your family healthy and safe and protected. We know the truth. We know that Jesus is the one that can do all of those things. But we can walk around and talk about the things that man have manufactured to keep us safe. But we're not willing to talk about what God is doing. That's a 100% success rate, Jesus Christ. But man, we can sure yell about some seatbelts. If anybody in here today isn't wearing your seatbelt, doesn't know what God's done for you, doesn't know those verses that I read off of the piece of paper, I just ask you to stand up right now and we're all going to pray for you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't know that if you believe in the Son of God, that you'll have eternal life. If you don't know that, we want to pray for you right now and help you know that. We want to talk to you. How would it be for me to preach a a message on telling people about God and we don't even tell you about him today? So is there anybody in here that, that needs to enter into that relationship? We'd love to talk to you. Feel free uh, to grab any of us that you've seen up here today on the microphone and just talk to us after the service. Go be a witness. If you're not working with Jesus, you're working against him. You can leave here today and go on life about normal. Or you can leave here today and choose to change somebody's life for all of eternity. The only thing between them and God is you. You can go tell them. You can go tell them. So I challenge every person in this room to go tell somebody about Jesus today. So make that a habit that you do every day. Go tell someone. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.